you will, turn in your Bibles to the third chapter of the book of Proverbs uh, as we continue our study through the Word. And, and once again, just that outpouring of wisdom that God gives to us uh, here through the book of Proverbs, the Bible tells us that if anybody lacks wisdom, that we can ask from God and that he will pour it out onto us liberally and without reproach. And, and so one of the best ways is to open up the word of God, to open up the book of uh, Proverbs uh, and to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to understand and to grow in the wisdom of uh, God. Here in this third chapter, it begins, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So here we see a father talking to a son, passing on that generational wisdom here. And, and so the father declaring to the son, do not forget my law. Here we have uh, now Solomon, who is the writer of this chapter of Proverbs. And, and you'll remember that David and Bathsheba were the parents of uh, Solomon. And the wisdom that David and Bathsheba poured into Solomon. And now Solomon passing that on to his sons here as well. Notice what he says. He says, my son, do not forget my law. In other words, in order for you to forget something, you have to first what? You have to have first learned it here. And so we see a father instructing his son into the truth of God's word. He is going to help him and guide him into a successful life. And, and the way that we are going to be guided into a successful life is if we obey the word of God. Amen. And so there is the putting in of the word of God that is necessary into the hearts of children. Proverbs 22, 6 tells us, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, it is one thing to instruct somebody into righteousness. It's another thing for them to walk into it. Here as a father, he has instructed him into righteousness. And what is the reminder? Don't forget the things that you have been instructed in. Remember, uh, do not forget my law. He says, but let your heart keep my commands. I, uh, I like that. There is lip service when, when children give you lip service. It's not really coming from the heart, uh, but they know the right answer. Go over and apologize to your brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's like they were the right words, uh, you know, but that wasn't, uh, that wasn't uh, from the heart. There wasn't a connection to that apology. And here we see that he is telling him to walk in the paths of righteousness and, and remember the law of God and let your heart keep my commands. In other words, uh, do it with the fullness uh, of a uh, heart. You remember that Jesus was asked, what's the first and most important of all the commands? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your 
heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says this is the first and the chief of all of the commandments. And, and so here, here again, what is Solomon telling his son? He is, is saying, don't forget the word of God and, and obey the word of God, not in partial obedience, not in a deferred obedience, but in a complete, with all of your heart, Walk in the ways of God. You see, as a father, a father wants the best for his son. And so here, Solomon knows that the best for his son and the best for each and every one of us is to walk underneath the fountain of God's blessings in our life. Why would we step away from the blessing, the fountain of blessings in our lives? So oftentimes we are asked as pastors, you know, can I come all the way over here and still be in God's will? Can, can I do this? Is this still, am I allowed to do this? And, and that question is always a wrong question because that question comes from how far away from God can I get to, and still be in his good grace? When the question should be how close to the heart of God and to the center of his blessings can I get to in my life? And so here we see that Solomon is, is telling his son, don't forget the law. And, and keep it with all of your heart. He says, this will be the reward in verse two for length of days and long life and peace uh, they will add uh, to you. And so length of days and, and long life, we see that, uh, that this is one of the the promises of God that we see and walking in his ways. And then the second is peace. That word is shalom. And, and it means more than just an absence of, uh, of war. It means the blessings in a person's life, wholeness, health, harmony, peace, prosperity, all of that. When, uh, when the Jews will walk by one another and they greet each other with a shalom, it is not just a hello or peace. It is the, the wishing at them of every good thing that God can pour out upon you in your life. And, and so when you are seated underneath the fountain of God's blessing, then shalom, peace and blessing and wholeness and health. He says in verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and esteem in the sight of God and man. And so mercy and truth. Don't let them forsake you. As we get to older in life, it's interesting the way that we can become less truthful. You talk to little kids and man, they'll tattle on themselves. They, they will tell you the way that it is. Why is your nose so big? <laughs> no, shh, don't say that, you know, and, and all of these things. And man, they are truthful. They're just absolutely truthful. He says, as you get older, don't, don't ever move away from that truthfulness. Keep in truth always in front of you. And mercy. Don't let your heart get hard. Always be merciful. 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 And so we don't want to harden as we get older. We want to continue to soften in the grace and the love of God and truthfulness. 
and in mercy. He says, let those, uh, don't forsake them. Bind them if you have to around your neck. Do whatever you have to do to, to hold <coughs> on to them. Write them on the tablet of your heart. He says that you'll find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and also in man. Trust in the Lord with what? And lean not on in all your ways. And he shall direct your paths. I mean, this, I'm sure, this is one of the great memory verses uh, here in the Bible. So, so instructive to us to, to trust in the Lord. So the first place is where we're going to put our trust. And, and so here we see that the instruction is to put our absolute complete trust, uh, not in ourselves, not in others, uh, but to put our trust uh, in the Lord. And then it says with all of your heart. And that, that's the challenge, is it not? The, the all of your heart. It's like we, we trust God, but then, but then we have difficulty as trials and hardships and health challenges and financial challenges and, and wave after wave come. And we see that, that there is now that, uh, that anxiousness and anxiety and fear that starts to roll in and that battle between fear and faith in each and every one of our lives uh, here where one day our future just looks rosy and great. And man, can fortune just change in a blink, in a second, and suddenly now what looked like the easy path moving forwards looks like an impossible mountain that is now before us. And, and we see that the Bible teaches us, don't walk by sight, but walk by by faith, and faith is that trust in the Lord. And, and so we are to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Come what may, trust in the Lord. Know that God is going to walk you through it day by day. He's never going to leave you. He is never going to depart from you. He is with you so you can trust him with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That again is trying to walk by sight to be able to see how everything is going to work out and to feel comfortable because we are exercising so much energy and effort and trying to control the outcome of events and circumstances in our lives instead of resting. How different that is to just be able to go, do that with me right now. Let's just give everything to God. Amen. Just say, hey, here's all my troubles. Here's all my trials. Here's all of my problems. Just, you've got them, God. You, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to rest in you. And it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's really in every way. Say, God, here's the reality. I don't know which way to turn. I really don't know what, what way to go in my life. But here's what I do know. You know exactly where I am, and you know exactly where you would have me to go. And I'm going to acknowledge that uh, in uh, my life. And it says, and he will direct your paths. You see, when you're holding the own 
blueprint that you've written for your life, it's hard to receive the blueprint that God has for your life. And so there is a letting go that's necessary in order to receive now what God has for you. And so we have to acknowledge him, acknowledge that his way is high above our way and that we acknowledge that we want his will in our life. And and when we do that, he is going to direct uh, our paths. He will lead us uh, and uh, he will guide us. Verse seven, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones uh, here. And and so, once again, being wise in our own eyes means justifying our own conduct or our you know, own behavior. Here it says, fear the Lord. Listen to what the Lord has to say. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the, the giver of the moral law. And he is the author of the moral law. And we are not allowed to move the boundaries to fit our circumstances or our situation. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Here, fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Don't rationalize evil. Don't justify evil. Don't get comfortable with evil. Don't make a partnership with evil. It says depart from it. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and it will be strength to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your what? With your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We see now the honoring of the Lord and the recognition that everything that I have is God's. You see, before we're saved, we think it's ours. And then once we get saved, we recognize that we don't own anything that every single thing that we have is a stewardship that God has given to us and entrusted us uh, now as stewards over. And so we're to govern everything now as the stewardship of what God has given to us uh, here. And one of the ways that we demonstrate that we got that, God, I get it. I understand it. This is uh, all yours. It is uh, by our tithe. Our first fruits is the tithe. This is what it is mm, talking about. And so we honor God by worshiping him and bringing him that first fruit, the, the tithe uh, to him. It says, and when we do that, right? What's the fear? Is I'm not going to have enough to be able to, to tithe. And that's always the, the issue of, of how much we are giving. And, and here's what God promises. He says that when you put me first and when you honor me and demonstrate that you're a faithful steward, he who is faithful over the little things to him, what? More will be given, right? So if you're not faithful over small possessions, why would God then trust you with greater possessions? You have to learn to be faithful in the little, and then he is able to entrust more and more to you. So oftentimes, you know, we say, God, if I just made more money, you know, I'd be able to tithe. And God says, if you would tithe, you'll end up making more money here. And and so we see, you know, I'm going to obey you, God, as soon as, right? 
I'm going to, this just, I'm going to obey you as soon as, but here's the right answer. As soon as now, you know, I mean, that's the best time to obey God right now. Don't defer your obedience to God thinking that you're going to be in a better position to obey God later. That's a lie right from hell. Do you realize that? You're never going to be in a better position to obey God than you are right now. And if you're not obeying God, then your intention to obey God later, that, that's folly. That is just self-deception now. We see that God says that what he wants even more than sacrifice is obedience. You see that he doesn't need your tithe. He wants to know, do you love your possessions more than him or not? Are you obedient to him? Do you recognize that everything that you have is from him and is his. And so one of those tests of the heart that he gives to each and every one of us here, but he helps us to to be able to do it. He says uh, uh, that your barns are going to be filled uh, with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My dad it's very generous to the church when I was growing up. And, and he said to me, John, I just want you to know something. He says, I have discovered in my life a principle. He says that I, I cannot outgive God. He says, the more I give God, he, he says, the more God showers me with blessings. And, and he says, God seems to have a bigger shovel than, than I have in my life. And, and so here we have that in principle and taught these words here in this verse. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, and whom he delights. And so have you ever seen a poorly behaved child in public? Obviously, somebody else's, not your own, of course, you know. But, uh, but you, you see a child that, that won't listen, that isn't disrespectful, that isn't disciplined. And, and we see here that, that it says that, uh, that God is that faithful father that is going to make sure that he disciplines. Now, what is the purpose of discipline? See, discipline is to turn the course of action. That's, they're headed in a wrong direction. And so you, you want to turn them with words or, uh, or with anything. But discipline says, I, I love you enough to not let you go any further in the wrong direction. I, I am going to intercede to turn you. And so here we see that when we get off track with God, and we start heading in the wrong direction. God loves us enough that he is going to let us go so far, and then he's going to discipline us. Then he is going to step in and turn us so that we don't get further down the road, knowing that further in the wrong direction means that there'll be more consequences that we'll end up uh, with in our own life. And he loves us enough to discipline us. And so... Um, Verse 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains uh, understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold uh, here. 
And so we see that the words profitable and proceeds and gain, these are economic terms. These are investment terms. Here we see that, uh, that this is the return on investment. What are you going to acquire that you're going to accumulate interest uh, on? And he says you can accumulate it on silver and gold and bonds and crypto and all types of possessions uh, that you can have investments in. He says, but there is something that is going to give a greater yield in your life. It's going to pay greater dividends in your life than trying to accumulate possessions. And that is when you are trying to gain wisdom and understanding. It says that she is more precious than rubies. And all the things that you may desire can not compare with her. And so... We see that wisdom's return is greater to the possessor than, uh, than the value of anything else. Length of days is in her right hand. And in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. So wisdom here is being personified as this woman and she's got a, a left hand and a right hand. Her right hand is longevity, longevity of, uh, of life. And her left hand is uh, honor and wealth. It says that all her paths are peace. And, and so here we see that this is speaking now just not of the length of life, but the quality of uh, life. What good is long life if you're miserable in it, uh, if you are being tortured uh, in your life? But uh, this is not a, a, an extended uh, life without quality. This is an extended life with pleasantness and with peace. She is a tree of life. A long and fruitful life here is expressed in the figure of a tree. And so, wisdom. Chasing after wisdom. It says in verse 19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the, the dew. Here we see the psalmist is letting us know that as we pursue wisdom, know that God used wisdom when he created the universe that is around us. We see that understanding and knowledge and wisdom, and if, if God was using these when he created everything that is uh, around. These are the things that we also should be seeking to use in our own lives. And my son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. And then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. As a young man is heading out into his life, the, the question is, what are you aiming for? What is it that you want? 
What is it that you desire? And, and the world puts all of its images before us. The world seeks to define success of what you're going to go and chase after in order for you to feel successful. But here we see that the word of God is telling us that if you're going to chase, chase wisdom, chase knowledge, chase understanding in your life, understanding of the ways of the Lord, knowledge uh, of the most uh, high God, wisdom, the application of uh, knowledge in our lives. This is what we want to chase. And what does it say? And all these things are going to be added unto you. You will have honor. You will have long life. You will have pleasantness of soul. And, and these now are the marks that we want to be chasing after. You will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. And do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And so here the, uh, the promise of sweet sleep, restful sleep now, without fear of evil and wickedness, so overcoming us and, and overpowering us. Verse 27 is instructive and do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. And so we see the principle that is before us to not defer kindness and goodness in our lives. There is the the selfish temptation to try and hold on to things in our life. And, and here we see that it is telling us to make sure that we are generous and kind. And whenever there is opportunity in front of us, don't defer that. Exercise that. Act upon that. Verse 29. Do not devise evil against your neighbor. For he dwells by you for safety's sake. And do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. And so and here again, the, the neighbor, the community, and our interaction with the, uh, others. Verse 31, do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. We see there are those who, who, who get ahead through the shifting and the changing of truth and people that cheat or are stealing or lying or robbing or are doing underhanded things. And, and there is that invitation to come and to join them. Everybody's doing it. We have a copy of the final exam that's here and you can go and get the answers your, yourself. Do you want one? And it's like, uh, do I want one? Should I take it? <laughs> 
And, and here we see there is that, that temptation uh, to, to join in, to, to get ahead, that fear of being left out or being left behind. And, and so those rules don't matter. Those ethics aren't important. Come join together with us. We'll, we'll all get there together. And it says, don't look up to the people who are getting ahead, but surrendering their integrity. Don't become envious of them. They're not gaining everything. They're losing everything. Here, it says, don't envy the oppressor and choose how many of their ways? None. None of them. Don't join with them in any of them. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. And so God cares about your character. God watches you in those moments of temptation when nobody else is there. It's just you. Man looks at the outward, but God is looking at the inward in our lives. And, and we always uh, want to be cultivating that relationship uh, with God above everything else and that there is. Don't compromise your relationship for anything. What is worth compromising your relationship with God for? What in the end afterwards would we say, you know what, that was worth it? And the answer is nothing. There is nothing. And so here we see that, that God looks down upon the, the perverse person and, and we see that they're an abomination to the Lord. It says the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. And so here again, we see that our God is a just God. And so the wicked will be judged, but also our God will bless those that walk in righteousness. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. And so here we see that their actions, the scorned, become scorned. And we see that there is this boomerang effect that takes place upon them. But God is always going to exalt the humble. He is going to give grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of uh, fools. And, and so uh, here we see the contrast between the, uh, the wise and the fool. The wise and the fool. And so we see the whole book of Proverbs really aligns into this wisdom versus uh, foolishness and knowledge, self knowledge the reality of the truth uh, of the things that are going on in our lives in the world what is truth 
Is there such a thing as truth today in our schools? We're taught that there's no such thing as an absolute truth, that truth is flexible and it is bendable and it is personal and it is your own personal truth. But here we have the truth of God's word. How is a person going to navigate in their life? Here we see that wisdom beckons to each and every one of us to come and to learn the mind of God, the heart of God, the ways of God, and walk in His ways. Walk in His ways. You will be blessed uh, of God. Here we see that it said that you'll have long life and that you will have shalom, you will have peace in your life. When you lie down to sleep at night, you'll rest. Contentment. When we trust the Lord with what? Then when we lie down at night, we give it all to Him. And we say, God, I trust you with everything. Is there anything in your life today, right now, that you're not trusting God for? That you're carrying yourself? that you are worried about, that you are anxious about, that you are concerned about the outcome. And, and here's what the Lord would say to us. I've got it. I know exactly what's going on in, in your life. And I am using the circumstances to refine you, to change you, to mold you, to purify your faith. I know the end of all of this. And the end is good. And the end is good. And the journey is a process. And in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have difficulty. Nobody gets to skate through life without difficulties and without challenges and without problems. Anybody want that life? <laughs> you know, right? And it's interesting because we all want that life. I think there's a, a part of us that wants that life. And, and then uh, we look at other people and say, man, you, I think you've got that life, you know. And, but the reality is nobody has that life. And God is working a work in your heart, in your life, with the circumstances that you've got going on in your life. You're in a season, you're in a chapter right now in your life. And in this chapter, God's working on this part of your life. He doesn't want you carrying it. He doesn't want it overwhelming you. He doesn't want you anxiously wringing your hands. What he wants you to do is trust him. With how much of your heart? With all of it. And can you hear the voice of the Lord saying to you tonight, will you trust me with that? Will you trust me with your popularity? Will you trust me with whether or not people like you? Will you trust me with your career? Will you trust me with your education? Will you trust me with your marriage? Will you trust me with your kids? Will you trust me with your grandkids? Will you trust me? Will you put them into my hands and pray for them? And then rest. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't 
Lean on your own understanding. Oh, but what if this and what if that and all of the what ifs and and there comes the anxiousness and the and the fears and the enemy is quick to paint the worst possible picture in front of you. And we're quick to grab onto that and to become afraid of the worst case scenario. But God says that love believes the best hopes the best, not the worst. The enemy wants you to, uh, to imagine the worst and then become afraid of the worst. And, and God says, I want you to believe the best. I want you to get your eyes uh, up. And I want you to be able to trust me. The quality of my life is based upon my degree that I'm able to trust God. Amen. The quality of your life, the quality of it is based upon your capacity to put your problems into God's hands and to rest and to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We see that Christ demonstrated the great love that he has for us. You see, it's easy to trust somebody when you know that they love you. It's easy to trust somebody when you know that they've got your back no matter what. It's easy to trust them. And, and here, the Lord wants us to be able to trust him with our own whole heart. And so what did he do? Is he demonstrated his trustworthiness by going to that cross for each and every one of us, by demonstrating the greatest act of love that, that there is on the face of the earth. And that's what we have gathered together. God said, I love you. But then he gave us the demonstration of that love of Christ, uh, the innocent, dying for the guilty and giving us the gift uh, of salvation to say, see how much I love you. And so we come and he wants us to continue to bring to remembrance uh, now the cross, his sacrifice and his great love. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come forwards now with the communion elements. I I'd like the worship team to come up and, uh, and we're going to enter into a, a time uh, now of just worship before the Lord. If we can take the lights down, house. And just a time to search your own heart, to ask the Lord, Lord, how are we doing? How, how is my trust uh, going? Am I able to, to rest in you this evening, tonight, today? Can I unload my challenges, my problems, and, and all of the various different things that are going on in my, in my life? That peace, that shalom that guards our heart and our mind when, when we are able to just put everything into the hands of the Lord. How freeing that is. How restful that is. How marvelous that is. That he never asked us to carry our burdens. He didn't say pull your own weight 
carry your own knapsack. He said, cast all your cares on me. For I care for you. I love you. I made you. I molded you, knitted you together in your mother's womb. I drew you forth and put the breath of life into your lungs. I've been watching you, every breath you've ever drawn. When you were an infant in your crib, I watched over you. When you took your first steps, I watched you. I've never taken my eyes off of you. I don't sleep and I don't slumber and you are the apple of my eye and I love you beyond words. I want you to know I have a future and a plan and hope for you. You're one day closer to being in my presence for all eternity, for stepping into my glory. There'll be no sun or moon. The glory will illuminate everything. And you'll never depart from my presence. The warmth, the glow, the glory, the love, the peace, the inexpressible joy, complete, absolute contentment emanating like rivers of water flowing out. How glorious that is going to be when we have rested from this life and entered into his glorious presence. as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. 
Let's partake of the body of Christ. And then he took the cup and gave thanks. And gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's partake of the cup. Heavenly Father, we do lift up holy hands to praise you tonight, to give you thanks, God. Thanks for sending your son. Thanks for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for our salvation. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and being willing to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you for demonstrating your great love to us. And so, Lord, help us to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of you. Help us to pick up our cross each and every day and follow after you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.